The sermon today is going to be relatively shorter because we do have a long schedule today, so uh, please bear with me as we continue to consider some things about family. It is about family today, and so I thought it'd be appropriate to address some things about family that I think is important here in the Gospel of Mark. If you ever want to learn about Jesus Christ, if you, if you want to start reading the Bible and you want to know more about this person, Jesus Christ, the Gospel of Mark is probably one of the easiest and best places to begin that because not only is it a very short book relatively to the other Gospels, but it's very concise to the point and it gives you an idea, a picture of who Jesus is. And that's the goal of Mark. Uh, the Gospel of Mark wants to tell you who is this Jesus? Uh, what is he about? And here in our passage that uh, Boyan was just reading for us today, we're in this scene here where Jesus has been doing ministry. Jesus has been teaching a lot of people. People are starting to now follow him. And he's now uh, continuing to kind of reveal to them slowly who he is. And now he's probably in this house and he's talking to uh, his disciples and, and the people around him. And what happens is in this, fam- in this picture, his family is there. His family. Jesus had a family. Did you know that? I mean, oftentimes you think about Jesus, you think about like this, this God who's like far away and he's all alone and he's pure and perfect, but he's very real. And uh, he was born as human. He was born into this world. And he has a family and they're, they're outside. His mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and they call for him. So they probably couldn't get in because all these people were there blocking the entrance. Jesus is somewhere in the middle. His family are there. And uh, they're trying to get someone to tell him, hey, Jesus, your, your family's here and they want to see you. Right? They gathered outside the house. Now, what's interesting about this, this family is this. These are the family members. These are Jesus' family who earlier in verse 21 heard about what Jesus was doing. And they said, quote, when his family heard about this, they went to grab him because they were saying, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. And so you have to picture this. His own family was calling Jesus mad. What is he doing? What's he thinking? What, why is he saying these things? What's he trying to do? He's crazy. The whole family believed this, and they sent word. we got to get him. We've got to talk to him. They send someone to get inside. The place is full of people. They can't get through the doors. And then uh, they send a messenger in. They pass on the message to Jesus, and someone tells Jesus, hey, your family is outside, and they want you. Okay? And you have to understand It's not just in our own culture, but especially in the Jesus time, in the Middle Eastern culture, family is so important. It's family first. It's family first in in Jesus' time as well. But in that culture, in that context, he utters a bombshell, right? Three things I want to quickly just see here. Number one, we already said this, Jesus had a family. Secondly, we see this point, Jesus makes a new family. And thirdly, Jesus defines that family. He had a family, he makes a new family, and he defines his family. And so look very quickly here. Jesus had a family. We we said this already, and it's pretty mundane, right? But it needs to be expanded a little. He had an earthly family. He had a mother, Mary. He had an earthly father, Joseph, a father figure at least. And he had brothers and sisters. Did you know that? And we're not exactly sure how many brothers and sisters he's had, but he's had at least three sisters and four brothers. Now, we struggle today in our culture just living with one child or or two children or even three. 
But he's got three, at least three uh, sisters and four brothers. He grew up in a family of eight. He knows firsthand what it's relate, what it's like to relate to family. He had a family. And family for us is very important, just as it was for Jesus. It was family first. It's a great source of encouragement and joy. But did you ever notice this? Sometimes it's the one that's supposed to be closest to you that hurt you the most, that affect you the most, that influence you the most, that make you the most frustrated, most angry, most fearful, most happy, most joyous. It's the ones that are closest to you, your family, that affect us the most. And here's the thing. Here's Jesus going around telling people, this is who I am. And the the disciples kind of started to believe him. The demons even kind of started to believe him. If anyone should have believed and supported Jesus, it should have been his own family. But they say he's crazy. His own family, his brothers and sisters, his, his mother, he's mad. So there's tension in his family. They don't believe Jesus. His own family don't believe in him. They're accusing him of being mad. His own family, his brothers and sisters. This is a family where there are some tensions, to put it mildly. And it's a thing to think about because Jesus knows what it's like to be a part of a family where you don't quite get along with your siblings, where you have issues and struggles with your parents, right? Jesus had some experience with that, relating to those that we dearly love who we just sometimes don't get along with, who, doesn't, who don't always understand us. I don't know about you, but I find that to be very comforting that Jesus understands family troubles. Some of you this week, I know some of you, maybe even this past week, maybe you've experienced some family trouble, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, some tension, some accusation. And I want you to know this, don't be discouraged. You can take it to the Lord Jesus in prayer because he not only can maybe do something about it, he knows what you're feeling. He knows what it's like to grow up in a family with tension and struggle. It means that what Hebrews says, you've got a Jesus who is a high priest who is touched with feelings of our infirmities, it says. He knows what it's like to live in a family. He knows what it's like to live in a family where there's tension. He grew up in a family where there were problems. He grew up in a family where there was tension because of who he was, because of what he said and what he claimed to be, okay? And so that's the first point. But here's the thing. Here's the bombshell that I was talking to you about. The crowd in verse 32, uh, they, they, they were sitting around him, and someone comes to Jesus, and they say, your mother and brothers are outside. They're looking for you. And Jesus answers them. He answers them this, verse 33, who are my mothers and brothers? Can you imagine this? Especially in a culture where where your family is the thing that you live for, Jesus says, who's my mother? Jesus, your mom's looking for you. Jesus, your brother's, who's my mother? Who's my brothers and sisters? Can you imagine if you were his mom or if you're a mother today, what you would do? You know, son, daughter, you know what? You need to stop that, right? Why, Why should I stop that? Because mom told you to. Dad told you to. Who's my mom? Who's my dad? What, what would you, you know, someone's going to get a spanking, right? It's, it's that kind of situation. 
And in this culture, I think it's kind of shameful. Before everyone, Jesus says, who's my mom? I think she was embarrassed. I think she would blush at the very thought that somebody would report back to her, you know what your son said? He said, who's my mother? Why would he do that? And I think we know the answer is because Jesus is about family. But he also had a family a relationship with his father, not Joseph, but God the Father. And it was his calling to be a savior for sinners. He had a mission he had to do that went even beyond the relationships that he had in this earth. He didn't just put his family first. He wanted to put God's family first. He was the divine Messiah first. And he was called to be obedient to his father who came first in everything else. And this is tough stuff. Right? Because it seems like what he needs to do for God the Father is at odds with what he needs to do for his mother Mary and his brothers and sisters. And some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor Francis, doesn't Jesus want us to be good parents and good family members and not sacrifice anything and do everything we can for our family? Well, of course he does. But listen to Mark or Matthew chapter 10. This is what Jesus says. Do not think I have come to bring peace to earth, for I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's some hard words. But I basically think he's saying this. It is family first. Your family is important, and you should love them to the best of your ability. But there's a word here, and that's this. We can make a religion out of our family. Some of you may not be into the Christian religion. Some of you may not be into your faith so much. Some of you maybe don't like the faith. But let me tell you something. If you don't worship just Jesus, you'll worship something else. You'll make a religion out of something else. You'll live for something else. Something else in your life, whether it's people, situations, or work, will control you. You will live for it. You will serve it. You will be crushed by it. You will be lifted by it. But whatever it is, you'll make a religion of it. And I think what Jesus is trying to remind us here as people of faith is this. We can make a religion out of our family. We can make a religion out of our children and what we think is their needs and their wants. We can make their felt needs and desires an absolute necessity. And everything maybe that God wants or desires might come in second place at times. Even the church. Maybe those things are optional. Okay? And I, and I want us to be reminded of this, especially if you're parents. Sometimes we're just silly because we think because we have children, we are more in the phase of life that's advanced and more mature. And we, whether we say it or not, tend to sometimes look down even on those who don't have children and think, well, they'll never understand because they're not further in their life, right? And so you've got 29-year-old women who are mothers now sort of talking down to 40-year-old women who are single and Really, that's not the case because basically your just life is revolved around that one kid. Rather than offering and committing their lives to Jesus Christ, rather than giving your children to the Lord, we throw in Jesus into their life for good measure. 
We do everything we can to take care of their physical needs, but from the spiritual standpoint, we struggle sometimes. We can make a religion out of our family. Now, don't get me wrong. No one ever loved his mother more than Jesus Christ. Nobody. You remember Jesus on the cross? He's dying. It's the final hours of his life. And, you know, if you had any time to kind of take a break from thinking of daily duties as a son, it's when you're dying on a cross. Right? But he sees his mother there at his death while he hangs on the cross. And you remember the words he said to his mother? He says to Mary, his mother, and he points at Peter or John, and he says, this is your son now. And he looks at John, and he says, This is your mother. Even on the cross, Jesus made sure his mom was taken care of. No one ever loved his mother more than Jesus Christ. God doesn't want you to to be good to your family because you put family first. He wants you to be the best you can be for your family because you put God first. And that's what he wants. It's not a competition. And so Jesus is putting his office, he's putting his mission, he's putting his calling on our behalf, not just his own family, but on our behalf, first and foremost. Okay? So Jesus had a family, but in his family, it's still God first. The second point here, really quickly, is this. You look at those around him, and you you see the shock, maybe, that Jesus says he doesn't have a mother or brother. You know, he says, who are my mother and brothers, right? And he goes, and he looks around at all the people standing around him, and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. What's he saying? He's doing the unthinkable. Not only does Jesus have a family, he's starting a new family, a new people that goes beyond the precious family bonds of blood. It's a different kind of family. He's saying... This is my family. This is my mother. These are my brothers. Think about this, right? We all know blood is thicker than water, but our relationship in his eyes are more substantial than we think. The bonds that we have as people of faith are stronger than we really think. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and the lives of men, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, and he says that with our spirits, we are now children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, so that Jesus is our elder brother. And he's not ashamed to call us brothers, Hebrews says. Here's something to think about. Yes, it is family first, but what did Jesus come to do? Create a new family. And in his family, we are called brothers and sisters. He is now our Father in heaven. Jesus is our older brother in faith. It might be a dysfunctional family sometimes, right? But we are in the household of Jesus, and he is our older brother. That's what he's trying to say. That's what he's trying to say. These are my family now. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to do. These are my mothers. These are my brothers. These are my sisters now. And so you know the Great Commission, right? Go out there and make disciples of all nations. That's, what's that about? It's about growing his family, sharing your faith. But here's the thing. No one has more influence, whether positive or negative, over a child's life than a parent. And today we actually witness baptisms and, and confirmations. You know, let me tell you something interesting. 
Uh, Pastor James, who's not here because he's sick, and uh, you know his, his son is sick. He was supposed to be baptized as well. He's not here today because they're both sick at home and probably watching from home, so, you know. Uh, but we did the interviews for all these, all these you know, young people. And over and over again, we asked them the question, who was the biggest influence in your life? Why are you here? You know what they said? Mom and dad. Mom and dad, mom and dad, mom and dad, biggest influence in their lives, right? And now they're here for confirmation, and now parents are bringing up their infants for baptism. You know what that means? Family or faith isn't something you just share. It's something you hand down from parent to child, from grandparent to child, and so on and so forth. That's why some of you are here today, isn't it? It's not just shared, it's handed down, and that's what we see. Last point here is this. How does Jesus define his family? Well, if I were to give you a pen and paper, and without looking at the Bible, if you haven't read these verses, and I asked you, what defines a member of the family of God? What would you say? And I think most of you here, if you've been going to church, you would probably say something like this. He who believes in Jesus is now my family, my brothers and my sister, and so on and so forth. But look at verse 35. That's not what he says. What does he say? Whoever does the will of God, whoever does the will of God is my family. What is the mark of somebody who belongs to the family of God? What are one of the distinctive marks among many? What is one? Well, it says there, they do the will of God. In other words, they listen. They listen to the Father, and they obey. Right? And what's God's will here then for you today? For your family, for your children, for your brother and sister, for your parents. What do you do when children say they're hungry? You feed them. What do you do when they, they feel sick? You, you heal them. You make them healthy again and strong again. And if that's true, then spiritually speaking, what's God's will for you to do for your family? You feed them. You make them healthy again. You make them strong again. Let me end with this. Do you belong to the family of God today? Do you belong to the household of God? You look around in these rooms, people you don't really know very well. Are these your brothers and sisters in the precious sight of God how do I become a part of the family of God? There's a hymn called Rock of Ages, and it says it very simply this way. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Have you come to Jesus Christ? Let's start there. Have you come to God with empty hands? That's where it begins. Have you done that? And I hope and pray that all of us here have done so or are thinking about it. May God write that assurance upon our hearts today. Let's pray.